We celebrate you. Welcome to Lofty Heights Christian Center, a ministry that exists to raise kingdom influencers. As a church, we emphasize three things. The Word, the integrity of it and its ability to transform, the Holy Spirit, His power and demonstration of the same, and love, love for God, for yourself, and for others. You are about to experience God's undiluted Word from God's servant, Pastor Wali Tejumade. Get ready for a transformation. Seek ye first. I know this is not a teaching that seems entirely new to each and every one of us. And the reason why I can say so is because um, some time past, I've done some things around this, maybe a couple of weeks back. But you see, as a church, it is important as the one privileged to lead us, you know, to consistently ask God, what phase is the church in? What phase is your people in or are your people in? What's going on in their lives? What are the things you'd like us to do? Because it is whatsoever thing God desires that we do, that's exactly what we do. This is a spirit-led ministry. So you can bet that I don't come up here on a Sunday morning or on a Wednesday service to just share with you what I feel like sharing. For the very first time in my life, since I've been privileged, you know, to be standing behind the pulpit, bringing the word to the people, that's way long before even Lofty Heights Christian Center started. My message has never been changed at the point of ministering before. It's never happened to me. Last week Sunday was the very first time I would ever, you know, experience such. I've had instances where, you know, before I mount the podium or maybe while come going to the place where I'm to share the word and the Lord would say, you know what, I need you to do this. I've had many instances where I'm preparing sermons to teach and the Lord would say, no, I need you to teach them this one. I need you to share about this. But last week Sunday, something happened here and only a few of you perhaps caught that. After reading or while reading this same verse or verses of the scripture that we just read, I heard the Lord very clearly here. Teach them about thanksgiving and testifying unto me for my goodness over their lives. If you missed that teaching last week Sunday, I think it's something that you should go back on, you know, and go, and go watch. So yes, so this Sunday I brought you that message that should have been brought to you last week Sunday. Hallelujah, glory to Jesus. You know, the word of the Lord is never still, right? The word of the Lord is never still. It does not expire. Hallelujah, glory to Jesus. The word, the, Lord, the word of the Lord is ever fresh, consistently, you know, the same. Hallelujah, glory to Jesus. So in that Matthew chapter number 6 from verse number 35 that we read, 31. As a matter of fact, very quickly, permit me to even begin from verse number 25. And let me run through this, but please pay attention. He says, therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life. Do not worry about your life, what you will eat, what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Jesus says, is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? You see, it's so alarming that the same thing that used to bug people then in those days is still the same thing bugging us today. The house to buy. The car to drive. The clothes to buy. The food to eat. The water to drink. As a matter of fact, economic-wise, the economists, you know, they rounded this off to call it basic necessities of life. 
Meaning that anyone on the face of the earth who is bereft of any of these things, that um, food to eat, you know, cloth to wear, and a shelter, a place to, to lay their head. The economist or global economic system believes that such person is deficient. So as it was in the days of Jesus, in the days Jesus walked the face of the earth, we still find the same thing, you know, playing itself out again in these days. So Jesus here is saying, do not worry about these things, nor about your body, what you will put on. He says, is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Let's take a pause on that for a little. This wasn't my word, this was Jesus' word. Saying to the people, your life should not consist, should consist much more than what you will eat. Than the clothes that you would wear. Than the place you'd work. Than the place that you'd live. Than the exam that you'd write. The life should be much more than all of all these things. In verse 26 it then says, look at the birds of the earth. Please can you follow me with the scripture on the screen? Thank you. In verse 26, it says, look at the bird of the air. It says, for they neither sow nor reap. They neither gather into bands. Yet, your heavenly father feeds them. Are you not much more of more value than those? So every time you see the birds, every time you see the fishes in the sea, every time you see all these other creatures, you know, made by God, they should be a proof to you to know in, without a fact that you're actually worth much more to God than those things. Have you ever seen a bird wondering where to lay its head? Have you ever seen a bird wondering what clothes to put on? Bible says Jesus himself, you know, clothed them. He says, are you not of more value than they, than all of all of those things? Look at 27 now. He then says, which of you by worrying can add one cubit stature one cubit to his stature. Do you know that as we are gathered here in the Lord's presence, everyone here in the sanctuary and those even connected online, 98% of everyone under the sound of my voice, your greatest trouble, greatest issue in life is around finances. Think about the challenge you're currently having. The greatest, the greatest, the, the good chunk of the challenge that you have is around finances. You need a job, for example. It's because you need money. That's why you need a job. If somebody would say, do nothing, but at the end of every month, this is $10,000 going into your account. You driver want to channel that time to work into something else. You have cards, credit cards, you know, that are due for payment. You can barely sleep at night. You need a roof over your head. You are trusting God for money. You are already putting money together for down payment for your house. That's very beautiful. That's very fantastic. But if somebody says, take, this is $60,000. Or take, this is $100,000 cash. You will go and buy whatever house you want to buy. Take a look at this facility the way it is right now. Somebody walks in here and then says, Pastor, you know what? I love you so much with the love of the Lord. This is $500,000. Take this. In three weeks, this place will be entirely complete. I'm saying this to say to you that as it was in those days, it's still the same thing right now. 
Some of us work multiple jobs. You do one, 6 a.m. to 12 noon. You have like one hour break. You go do another. In fact, some do triple jobs. Why? Because of money. Where I come from, the country where I'm from, it's a country very big on religion. Very big on religion. Very big on religion. So much such that first Friday of the month or last Friday of the month, if you drive across a major expressway or major highway, you will be, you'll be shocked at the depth or the weight you know, of traffic jam you, know, you would encounter. I've also realized that religiosity that men play with God, it's, it's very proportional to the level of poverty in that particular region. Because many of the things that many of you pray for a while back home in Nigeria, for example, you have no need to pray for those things again here. Does that mean the God here is different from the God there? No. The same God in Kafancha is the same God in Regina. He's the same God in Afghanistan. He's the same God in Kuwait. He's the same God in Turkey. He's the same God in America. This also accounts why so many people will leave that place, come over here. People were super religious. People would wake up in the morning, begin to pray. People would not joke with vigils. People would get into church on time, would be in the Lord's presence. People would be wondering what next is it, is it to be done for the Lord. Then they get over here and they realize, you know, many of the things we were praying for over there, they are here. So you realize, actually, getting a car is no longer a miracle. As a matter of fact, buying a house is no longer a miracle. You need only one thing to be done for you here to be able to have all of all those things. You only need to get a job. If you have a job today and you begin to work, after three months, you can walk into any car store and go pick a car and drive out. Over there, they cannot do that. So you still see those people still thronging because they're trusting God for the miracle of a car. They're trusting God for the miracle of a job. They're trusting God for the miracle of a house. I'm saying this to say to you that the work with which we have been called into Christ, it's not that of religiosity. It's that of relationship. It is that of intimacy. That's the reason why as a ministry, I teach us all the time. Stop serving God. Stop coming to church because of what you want God to do for you. Develop intimacy with him instead. Look for a way to have a relationship with him instead. Because eventually when he does that which you desire him to do for you, then what becomes of your life and him? What then do you do after he has done that which you desire? This also accounts for the reason why some people, you see them come to church, you know, for a breakthrough. The moment that they lay hold, you know, on the things they are trusting God for, they feel they have no need of God again. That is not their work. That is not the life of a New Testament believer. We've not been called into religiosity. Christianity is not a religion. I teach you all, all the time. Christianity, a New Testament believer, relationship as a Christian is intimacy with God. Continual fellowship. Continual desire to knowing God more. That is what Christianity is. We are coming to church, gathering in the Lord's presence under the same roof because the Bible teaches that we should not forget or let go the assemblies of the brethren. And because we all, you and I actually, we are the church. The church is not the building. The church is the people. 
So I show up because I know that I will meet with you. I know I will see you. I will exchange pleasant You all are my brothers and my sisters in Christ. That is the work of a New Testament believer, not religiosity. Not the one that reeks of pain, of guilt, and of disappointment. Not. Hallelujah. Glory to Jesus. Give me verse number 28. So Jesus says, So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spill. Nor spin. Please move on. And yet I say to you, that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. In other words, as, as, as splendorous, you know, as Solomon lived, Huh? It was not even compared, you know, to those lilies that you see. Verse 30. He says, now, if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? 31. He says, therefore, do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? He says, for after all these things, the Gentiles seek. Church, Jesus is simply saying, if your life is about you, there is no difference between you, even though you claim to be a Christian and an heathen who has not accepted the lordship of Jesus. That's the simple message here. If the essence of our lives, the summary of our lives, the purpose of our lives is tied up in how well we can look, in what cloth we can buy, in what shoe we can buy, in what house we can live, in what car, in what car we will drive, there is no difference between those of us named by the name of the Lord and the one who is a terrible hand robber who's never heard about Jesus outside. He says, For after all these things, the Gentiles they seek. He says, Before you, your heavenly Father knows that you have need of these things. So we cannot afford then, you know, to live our lives like theirs. They do not have a relationship with the heavenly father, but you and I do. Jesus says your heavenly father knows that you need all these things. So he then says, you are not to seek what to eat, what to drink, what to wear. Such that you don't become like the rest of the world. That's not my intention for you. That's not the purpose of your creation. I created you principally for worship. Not to begin to chase food, clothing, and shelter, career, as beautiful as all those things are. Jesus is saying, no, that's not the essence. For you will be named by the name of the Lord who have redeemed by my precious blood. I've created you for no other reason but for worship. But if you choose to begin to run after career, run after certificate, run after academics, run after business, run after this, run after that. There will be no distinction between you and the rest of them. He says, but this is what is important. He's not saying don't seek all those things. He's not saying don't have a good career. He's not saying don't have a good, you know, um, don't be concerned about, you know, what, I mean, don't live in a good house. Because listen again, Christianity is not synonymous with poverty. I'm not preaching this morning. I'm not preaching this morning. Christianity is not, is not a synonym for poverty. Because your lack does not impress God. As a matter of fact, your lack may not be able to save other people that need to be saved. 
Because, for example, you've gone out for evangelism. Someone that meets you and then says they do not have money, you know, to transport themselves to church. And you cannot dip your hands into your pocket and give them money to be able to get to church. Not because you don't want to, but because you truly don't have the money. How will the kingdom grow? So please, seek the good things of life. Get a good car if you have the means. Live in a good house if you have the means. Add, you know, in respect to your career, aim for the zenith if you have the desire, if you have the drive. Academically, seek to be the best. But Jesus is saying, those ones should not be the primary. This is the primary. But seek first the kingdom of God. Make the kingdom the fundamental. Make the kingdom the priority. Meaning that, before my career, I'm thinking kingdom first. Before my academics, I'm thinking kingdom first. Lord, what would you have me do? Lord, how do I add value to your kingdom? Lord, how, how am I going to be relevant to, to your kingdom? Jesus is saying, let that be your primary focus. Let that be your primary attention. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. He then says, all these things, they shall be added to you. See, there is something called... That, I mean, you have, you have blessings, you have added blessings, you have sure blessings. Jesus is saying, these is these ones are going to be an added blessings to you. You know why? He's saying simply to you that as you go pursuing the kingdom, you're beginning to, get, to gain clarity, knowing what God would have you to do even in your career. As you begin to pursue in the kingdom, you begin to know in what God wants you to do, even as touching your academics. As you begin to pursue the kingdom and seek after his righteousness, the Lord begins to speak to you and begins to order your steps. What job to apply for, how to deal with your boss, how to talk, you know, talk to people, how to deal with people. Then you then realize that your life keeps getting better and keeps getting better and keeps getting better. When you make the first the last, disaster may be the consequence. There can be no peace when you choose to make the first to be the last. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. All, there shall be added blessings. So don't go and tell me, you know, pastor, you know, um, those who have not accepted the logic of Jesus, you know, many of them are not even saved. Many of them do not live in, you know, they've, they've not accepted the logic of Jesus, yes, Career-wise, for example, my boss at work, you can say, oh, my boss at work is not even saved. Does not even know about Jesus? That's your boss. Your boss's life finishes here on this, on this terrestrial, this, this earth. Your boss who's not accepted the logic of Jesus has no hope of tomorrow. If their hope, if any, is hellfire, that's the difference. Because the life of a man does not consist in the abundance of the things that he possesses. In this kingdom, we don't, we don't, we don't, we don't, we don't measure influence by money. Go check your record. The top three or top five or top ten billionaires across the world, they're not Christians. They made the money simply because money answers to principles, not prayer. You can pray from now to tomorrow. Lord, give me, Lord, give me, Lord, give me. If your hands are like this, you'll never have. Wealth answers to what? It answers to principles. If you know the principle and you follow, and the word of God cannot be, you know, can, can, um, can, can, cannot, uh, you know, become a lie. Give and it shall be given unto you. 
Good measures pressed down, shaken together. So shall men give unto your own bosom. So if you're consistently always collecting, you're not giving. You cannot have. See, it pains me as a pastor when I see people living from paycheck to paycheck. Something is fundamentally missing. By the time you are done at the end of every two weeks, your income is not even sufficient, you know, for your bills. Something is wrong. Now, your income is not sufficient for your bills. Not because you are parting towards the advancement of God's kingdom. But because you lack financial literacy, financial management. And you lack the principle of financial stewardship. My life got better when this became my focus. Bible says the, 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 the ways of the Lord they are with those of them who fear a thing. I've also noticed pursuing the kingdom agenda the father's business it takes away worries and sorrows. So they say oh you know oh, we did not see you here today. Would you be willing to come out for evangelism? Would you be willing to let us do this one? Would you be willing? Say, no, I'm not. See, part-time, church, listen. Part-time. Pursuing kingdom's agenda is not just limited to evangelizing Jesus. Part-time. If you've been named by the name of the Lord, before you think about anything, think about the Father's desire about that first. Think about the Father's interest. I was a bachelor when I vowed. I told God, any house you give to me, it will be used as a sales center. I was a bachelor, single. I was not married. Because I've been consumed by the love of the Father. It was so much such that um, my pastor then, when my wife and I got married and we moved to our own house, I went to meet him and I told him, Pastor, I just want you to know that our house is now ready for cell center. Please come and be doing fellowship there. In the same vein, I've seen people whom God blessed with a house and who feel their house is too beautiful for others to be guarding, to studying God's word. Say, your life should be such that there is nothing you have, nothing you own that should ever be dear to your heart. God bless my late father. Those were some of the values he entrusted, he gave to me as his son. That nothing in this life matters except Jesus. That all the wealth, all the things that you have, all the things that you possess, the day you breathe your last, it is the end. You now know the irony of life. No man knows when he or she is going to breathe his last. His last. You and I can be faith in it. I shall not die but live. Glory to Jesus. Oh, with long life shall the Lord, you know, satisfy me. Glory to Jesus. But when the Lord says your assignment here is done, it is done. At that point, there is no room for amend. Meaning that it is here, it is here on earth. It is here on earth that the kingdoms must become our agenda. Because over there, there is no longer kingdom agenda. We are not laboring in heaven. Did you catch that? You're not, go, you're, you're not going to heaven to, to go and evangelize. You're not going to heaven, you know, to go and seek God's kingdom first. It is prepared actually for those who seek God's kingdom first. Meaning to say to you that it is here on this earth 
This place, this terrestrial world, it is here that everything with kingdom-related agenda needs to be executed, not in heaven. Who do you want to go and preach to to accept the Lordship of Jesus? Is it Apostle Paul that you want to tell? You know, Paul, are you saved? I just want you to know that Jesus loves you. Be seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Listen, church. Make God's business your priority. I tell you this, and I kid you not. Make God's business your priority. I'm going to share how to, how to seek first the kingdom very shortly. Make God's, just, you know, it's basically even just in letting him know, Lord, whatever you'd have me do, how to do. Proverbs number three from verse number five. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. See, it will take the kingdom being your focus to be able to acknowledge in God. Where we are not just junketing from one job to another. Such that we don't end up moving from grace to grass. Where we are consistently seeking and saying and asking, the Lord is my shepherd and I shall not want. Where you're knowing for a certain that you're not the shepherd of your own life, you're actually a sheep. And you've got to be led. You've got to be led. Why must you seek this kingdom? Let me say this also. Listen to this and listen very carefully. As a New Testament believer, Bible says, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, verse number 33. It says, and all these other things shall be added to it. But listen to this very carefully. We are not seeking the kingdom because we want food, because we want clothing, because we want um, what you drink. No, no, no. See, that's another very faulty reason or reasons to begin to seek in the Lord's kingdom. Do you, know, do you want to know why you should seek the Lord's kingdom? Seek his kingdom because Jesus himself is in the kingdom. Amen. 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 Don't seek because, you know, Bible says if I seek the Lord's kingdom, I would have what to eat, I would have what to drink, I would have what to lay my head. No. I'm saying just be consumed by the love of the Father. If you have the love of the Father filled up in your heart, you will naturally and without hesitation uh, beginning to seek the Lord's kingdom. Because this kingdom we are seeking, it is not a transactionary relationship. I'm not saying, Lord, I want to serve you so that you can change my job for me. That's nonsense. He's giving you the most important gift and giving you the most important blessing in the world. That is the salvation of your soul. Nothing else ever compares. So, we are not seeking the Lord's kingdom just for the sake of, you know, if I do it and I do it well, then this is going to happen to me. Yes, those things are going to happen to you. But let that not be the motivation. It is the same reason I always teach all the time in this church that we don't give here because we want God to bless us. So they say, oh, you know, um, um, lift up your offering up unto the Lord and give so that God can bless you. Oh, no, I'm a New Testament believer under the grace. I'm not under law. 
I can no longer be cursed. You're not getting it? Christ has become a curse for me because it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. I'm not preaching this morning. So I, I'm not giving to the Lord. When I give my child, when I sow a seed, like we cut for $1,000 for this project right now, I'm not expecting anything back from the Lord. That he will give me something back is not negotiable. He will. Jesus says, don't you know that your heavenly father knows that you have need of these things? But things beget, become skewed when I begin to say, so I'm going to give $500 to the Lord. And I'm giving that $500 to the Lord so that the Lord can give me $1,000 in return. That, keep your money. That's nonsense. That whatever that you do as touching the Father's kingdom, let it be motivated out of love. Do it because of the love of the Father. I'm sharing this to share to you that since God gave me this revelation which I just shared right now, that I don't give because I want God to bless me, but I actually give as a testament of me being blessed. You know, you have to be blessed before you can give. Some have more, some desire to give, say tithe, say seed, say offering, and they genuinely do not have what to give. Not because their hearts are dark. Not because they do not want to give. They want to give, but there is no money in their pocket. So if I then, after service, for example, I then pick up my phone, then go into my banking app, you know, and, and I then give to the Lord. I'm only giving back to him because he has blessed me. So I give because he's blessed me. The proof of my blessedness is actually reflected in my giving. Seek first the Father's kingdom. He says, and his righteousness. Amplified Classic says, his ways of doing things. See, this kind of teachings, you know, they're important for us as Christians to continually hear and listen to. So we don't think that our life stops and ends at the day we confessed the Lordship of Jesus. Then we then fold our arms and do nothing and then begin to await the Lord's return. No. We are very busy lots, believers. Because while we await the return of the Master Savior or the day he will call us home, we must get ourselves busy working for the kingdom for which we've been saved. Bible says, ye are now ambassadors of Christ. You've been called to the ministry of reconciliation. Romans chapter number 10, if you start reading from verse number 10 downward, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, he says it is written that anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Paul then asked, how then shall they be saved if they do not know of him? How shall they know of the Lord if they've not heard of him? How shall they hear about the Lord if they've not been sent? See, I know that sometimes we come to church to hear the kind of message that would make us screaming and shouting and, you know, jumping and all of that. That's beautiful. But this is even much more beautiful. A reminder of the essence of your salvation. A reminder of the essence of your life and your destiny. A reminder of the reason why life has not been snuffed out of your life yet. A reminder of the reason why you're breathing. That's why I love that songwriter that says, Daily as I live, as often as I breathe, let my whole life be an expression of your grace. So why then 
must you seek this kingdom? Number one, it is a command. So for anyone who is saved, you've got no chooses. It's not like, you know, I feel like and I don't feel like. You are to serve and keep serving in season and out of season. Number one, it is a command. It is not a choice. Jesus says, but seek first. Seek first. Seek first the kingdom of God. Seek first. Seek first. You wake up in the morning. How shall I, can I advance the kingdom? What can I do to please the Father? If anybody tells you that because you're a New Testament believer, you are now under grace, not under law, you need not to be bothered about how to please the Lord. See, they are leading you into death. Both spiritual death and physical death. You know those ones that say, you know, there is nothing you can do, you know, that you will, you can never displace God. It's a lie. The Holy Spirit of God in you can be grieved. I've done teachings around this before. So one of the ways of you seeking the Father's business, seeking the Father's kingdom is daily asking, Lord, how shall I make my life better and worthy for your use? It is a command. It is not a choice. Mark chapter number 16, 15 to 17, gave us the great commission. Now go into the world and preach the gospel to every creation. Everyone that believes shall be saved. The ones who do not believe shall be condemned. I've given you power to trample upon serpents and scorpions and over all the powers of the enemy. He says, and these signs will follow those who believe. This is uh, Matthew, um, uh, Mark 16. He says, and these signs shall follow those who believe. In my name they shall cast out demons. They shall speak with new tongues. In Acts chapter number 1, verse number 18, Jesus gave the gift, explained what the Holy Spirit is going to do in the believer's life. When the people began to ask him, so now you say you're going to be ascending on high. So then tell us, when will the kingdom be restored to Israel? Jesus said, it is not of you to know the time and season the Father has put in his own hands. He says, but one thing is important. Go into Jerusalem, you know, and go, you know, tarry. Until ye be endued with power from on high. When the power from on high comes, then you shall be witnesses of me in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, unto the uttermost part of the earth. Simply put, that the Holy Spirit was essentially given to a believer for a believer to be capacitated to serve God, to witness Jesus. Did he hear me? Did he hear me? Did he hear me? He wasn't given to you to make you feel good. Not an addition to your body, no. The Holy Spirit is given to a believer such that a believer can have the power to boldly witness Jesus. Because without power, you cannot witness Christ. We saw the apostles, we saw Peter, we saw Paul, we saw Philip. They lived this life. So when you saw someone like Paul, for example, jumping from one point to another, one place to another, pursuing the fathers. Bible says that they bound, the um, Agabus picked his belt, you know, I'm bound and say, who owns this belt? Say, so see, the way this belt is being bound, that is the way the owner of this belt is going to be bound. They said it belongs to brother Paul. And they began to weep for him and began to beg him, please don't go to Rome. You know now you've been warned. If you dare go, if you dare leave this place, you're going to die. He said to them, he said, why are you weeping for my sake? Is it not better for me to die for the sake of the Lord than stay here with you? See, I... I'm praying that the love for the Father and his business will engulf you. 
I took this spirit from Bishop David Oyedepo. My life has never been the same again. Bishop would say, you would never understand why God does through me and in me all the things he does through me and in me until you know my heart beat for the Lord. Even when I, while at the when I was in a secular office, when I was in secular office, I prioritized God's business above my secular job. Yes, the ones paying me. So much such that my boss knew. And then she, she began to follow me on social media. One day she then called me. Tell you, I just want to ask, how are you able to do all the things that you do? I see all the things you do for your church. How are you able to do that? He was so serious that one December, that must be maybe December of 2018, you know, as a unit you'd all, you know, exchange Christmas gift and all of all those stuff. My boss, who told me she does not believe in God, she worships the earth, gave me a Christmas card and talk $50 into the Christmas card. Then wrote, say, I know that instead of giving you a gift, you'd rather prefer me to give to your church. She said she knew that that money would be worth much more to me being given to God than if she had given it to me. And you know the beautiful thing about this kingdom? You cannot be engulfed. You cannot love him and we will not know. It will show. How can someone like that say that I know that if I give it, and truly, how much is $50? I'm not boasting. No, okay, so you would have given me $50. On the card she wrote, I know that giving this to, to church or be to God, I can't remember how exactly she put it, will mean more to you than giving it to you. When I read it, I felt like crying. That was how much she knew that the kingdom, the father's business, mattered to me much more than the money she'd give me. See, this is a moment of self-reflection. And listen, this is what God is asking us to do this season as a church. There is a project we are starting beginning from tomorrow. I'm going to share with you about it very shortly. This is the face of this ministry is kingdom consciousness, kingdom focus, kingdom advancement, not fairity. Because your deliverance, your healing, the things that you desire, they're actually embedded in the kingdom. Don't you know that your father in heaven knows that you have need of these things? <laughs> Number two. Why should you seek this kingdom? It is the only reason. In my notes, I capitalize the word only. It is the only reason for which you are alive. It is the only reason for which you are alive. Paul declared, Woe is me if I do not preach the gospel. First Corinthians chapter number 9, verse number 16. He says, Necessity is placed upon me preach the gospel. I don't know. And those of you who are single, listen to me very carefully. Especially if you worship in this ministry. If you worship here and your heart is here and you reckon that God's grace is upon my life and the Lord has actually chosen me to lead this church, there is no way you stay planted here. You stay committed here. 
You keep worshiping the Lord here. You keep serving over here that at some point you will not be engulfed with the same spirit that is at work in my life. All these boys, all these people you see here, serving here, they were not like that. Many of them have never served in their lives before. It's so serious that when people come in here, you know, and see, you know, the way we serve it, they begin to ask me, say, but what do you do to these volunteers the way they do what they do? I'll be in my office on a Sunday morning when I get into church. I'll see Brother Curtis. He will pick the key. He will run. Almost pissing. You know, he does not work. Brother Curtis does not work like this. Have you guys seen him work before? He actually works like a marshal. You'll see him pacing down to this place to opening these gates. You'll see him being diligent. Ask him, sir, have you ever served in any church in your life? ministries got a spirit in that same ministry. I'm telling you the truth. Okay. My wife and I were still talking about these things just a few weeks ago. Maybe during Festival of Grace, our fourth anniversary, all these boys claiming big boy now. Okay and Samuel. I'll show you their pictures. What these people looked like when they first stepped into Lofty Heights. They knew no Christ. They, they had no relationship with the Lord. They knew nothing about seven. Nothing about seven. Princess led us in worship right now, right? Go ask her if she had ever led worship anywhere else before. If you choose to stay planted, the same love will be infused into your spirit. It's the way worse. It's the spirit that is in the house. He says, woe is me if I do not preach the gospel. Necessity is laid upon me too. Don't you know that your heavenly father knows that you have need of these things? That if you choose not to seek those things first. But the moment you then choose to say it's those things you, want, you begin to want to pursue. That means your father would feel that you already have a hang on it. So you don't need his involvement anymore. Little wonder many people struggle. I live an easy life. I do what? I live an easy life. Those of you who follow me on social media, you'd have seen. Or go on IG or whatever. Search hashtag, my life is easy. It is Wale Tejumadi you will see coming up. Jesus makes it so. See, pursuing the kingdom, being after the Father's business, it takes away worries and issues. Because I don't care. See, if the bank likes, let them come tomorrow and take my house. I don't... You know, you'd grow. This is not age. I'm not talking about mature, um, biological maturity. I'm talking about spiritual maturity. You know one of the proofs that you're growing as a believer? Nothing on this earth would ever mean so much to you again. Nothing. 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 When you begin to rise and you begin to get to that level, where you look at money and you say, this is nothing. I need to give part of this unto God. You know you're growing. When God, when you desire a car and you're praying, Lord, please give me this car. I joined the van to church. When you give me a car, the van can be a bit relieved. And then I can begin to use my own vehicle too to pick other people to church. Then you will know you're rising. It is the only reason why you're alive. Number three, why must you preach this, um, I mean, pursue this kingdom? Because it is the only hope for the world against oppressions. Because this kingdom, listen church, it is in power. If you are not saved, it is different. 
you know, it was when I got into this country, I, I appreciated where I was coming from better. I would go to church. I would hear the word. And it would be, and I'll be wondering, if you are graced to teach, teach. If you're not graced to teach, and look for someone who is graced to teach to do the teaching. It was when I got here, I realized how tough giving is to people. It was when I got here, I realized that evangelism is a reality here. Tell me, how many church or churches do you know that do mass evangelism? That's the reason why in this city, you will go about in an attempt to share in Jesus with someone. And someone will tell you they've never heard about Jesus. Isn't that a shame? And you are alive. I'm alive. Can you imagine? Can you, no, can you imagine? To the remotest parts of Nigeria, you, you, I can bet that you can't find anyone who would say he doesn't know about Jesus. I share these things here all the time. Many of you barely believe me. Two Saturdays ago, we all went out on mass evangelism. And by the way, another one is coming very soon. It, then, in the inner foyer here, I then began to ask people, your experience, what was it like? Those people that you were meeting. Brother Ron, you, were, you went for the evangelism too. Oh, what was your experience like? Um, did the people receive you? Did they run away from you? Did they do this? They, then I asked, did you meet anyone who told you they've never heard about Jesus? Sister Kendi lifted up her hand. She said she was shocked. She was gobsmacked. I told them in the morning here, that's you're going to meet, to witness Jesus. You will meet someone who will tell you they've never heard about Jesus before. Yet you and I have been saved. And you think for some of us, for example, who are immigrants, and you think the Lord led me from Nigeria over here such that my wife can look more beautiful, my children can have the best of life. No, no. I'm an ambassador on a mission. Canada is a mission field for me. You get it? Canada, this nation is a mission ground. This nation is a mission ground. You were in my house yesterday, Tony and Brother Samuel. You both were taking my measurement for a friend who was in Birmingham in the UK who wanted to sow a seed of a cloth into my life. The guy is a professional tailor and then said I should get them, you know, do video call so that they would take my measurement. He then began to share about how my life turned their lives around. And how in their words, how they are my greatest fan. I'm not looking for fans. Jesus wasn't looking for fans. Jesus was making disciples of all nations. That's your responsibility, church. That's my responsibility. It doesn't matter the color of your skin. You are here on a mission. You, son, when you go in here, that was the prophetic word the Lord gave me to give to you. I remember then. You will miss it. If you think you're an immigrant or you're here, you know, because the quality of life here is better, you know, than the quality of life over there. If you continue that way, you end up like the rest of the people over here who do not know the light, who do not know Jesus. Jesus has sent me, has sent you, including those of you who are white, who are brown, who are whatever color, you know, of your skin that you, that you possess. He has sent us here and including the natives that the name of the Lord may be forever glorified. Rise up on your feet this morning. Say after me, I'm an ambassador of Christ. Come on now. I'm an ambassador of Christ on a mission. Regina, 
is a mission field for me. Regina is a mission field for me. Saskatchewan is a mission field for me. Canada is a mission field for me. I will not rest. I will not be tired. I will not be weary. I will extend this gospel. I will share Jesus with someone. That will share. Media, please display the project we are starting. Please display that banner. Do you have it? Beautiful. So now, church, we are beginning this project. It's called Project Siki First. It's going to run for the next 90 days. Every day, Monday through Sunday, we all will be waiting upon the Lord. I know some of you won't do it. That's your choice. You cannot say you were not told. But calm down. You're only waiting upon the Lord until 2 p.m. I don't think you will die. 6 a.m. to 2 p.m. Don't eat, don't drink. Do this consistently for 90 days. Then every morning, 6 a.m., for 10 minutes, we meet via Zoom. Zoom. Huh? 6 a.m., Monday to Saturday. And we'll be praying. We're no longer seeking our own desires. You are looking for a job, let that job rest on one side. Your heavenly father knows that you need a job. But seek first the kingdom. We are about putting this scripture to test, to practice, and see what God makes out of our lives in the next 90 days. So 6 a.m., meaning that for the next 90 days, every day of your life, you are praying a prayer that has to do with kingdom advancement. Lord, let your gospel spread in the city of Regina. Lord, establish your kingdom in the nation of Canada. Lord, you are praying for every member of your church, this local assembly. Lord, I lift up every member of Lofty Heart unto you. Lord, give everyone, you know, understanding in your word. Let there be miracles. You are coming for service on Sunday. You are interceding. Lord, this Sunday service, use your servant mightily. Open his eyes. Open his ears. Let there be healings. Let there be deliverance. We all will be doing this for the next 90 days. You know the third condition? At least once a week. I did not say every day now. At least once a week, you will then leave your house. You will then go on the street. At least once a week, you will then leave your house and then go on the street and then go meet people. Have you heard about Jesus? Can I extend an invite to you to church? We have that. Please get me that invitation card. Get me one very quickly. We have the invitation cards outside there. At first I was thinking, is this about getting people into church or just sharing about the kingdom? But I realized there is no way they truly know the truth about the kingdom if, they do not, if they're not established in a local assembly. I say this under God and I'm not bragging, not because I'm privileged to pastor you all. I do not know anyone who attends and worships this ministry consistently for 90 days whose life God did not transform. Now look at, you heard the word this morning. They do not have the privilege to hear the same word you just heard. It's the reason why you need to get them into church. So you get these cards. They're usually in the, by the information desk. You pick it up. Meet at least one person. Just keep walking as you go. Before you leave your house to pray. Dance, you're meeting them. Let me use you as an example. Please come. As he's coming, as you're going. Hey, hello, excuse me. Sorry, do you have, can you spare me some moment? They may tell you no, they may tell you yes. Regardless of what they said to you, you say, oh, I just want you to know that Jesus loves you. If that is all that you would have said to them, you've done your bit. The seed has been sown. No one then would then ever say that they've never heard about Jesus again. 
Then you can then go further. Sir, do, do, do you mind? Do you have a home church where you attend? Do you mind if I extend this invite to you to worship with me in our church? The Lord is going to transform your life. Then when they doubt you, tell them, turn to the back of the cart. There are testimonies there of the incredible things God is doing in our midst. Then let the Lord bring them here. Another thing you can do as you embark on this project, seek you first is, each time you are going out for evangelism, you are getting their numbers. You are following up on them, sending them text messages, putting phone calls through to them, asking them if they need help. If they need help to get into church, you are getting them into church. You are doing everything that you can and see if heaven will smile at you or not. Bible says, how beautiful are those who bear the glad tidings, the good news of Christ. How beautiful are the feats of these people. How beautiful. This is the essence of life. Until we all grow, Minister Jumi, to realizing what a soul means to God, you would understand better. You would understand better when you realize that a soul means the world to Christ. Just so, Bible says, heaven rejoices at one person, one soul who came to Christ. Just one. That's the reason why in the case of that prodigal son, who went away? Who came back? Bible says his older brother was fuming. He was grandstanding. Because the father had said, you know, kill the fatted calf for him. Then he began to complain. Uh, uh, you know, I, I've been in this house for so long and you did not do anything for me. And my son, my brother, who went to squander your money, you're not saying they should kill the fatted calf for, for him. Listen to me. Those things have always been yours. You just never made a demand of them. The older brother, if he had wanted the fatted calf, he would have asked his father, can I have one of the fatted calves? The father wouldn't have said no. The father wouldn't have said, it's always been there. That story is much more than a story. It's one of the stories that you can use to liken to someone who is in Christ and the one who is not in Christ. The prodigal son is very similitude of those people on the street of Rejaran right now who are not saved. I, Wale Tejimada, will not rest. For this purpose, I live. For this purpose, I breathe. For the purpose of the kingdom of the Lord. That is the reason why you see things working. That is the, I can tell you for a fact, that is the reason why you see things working. We are not just trying to attempt to populate the kingdom. We are truly interested in their soul. That they will come to the knowledge of Christ. That people will know that regardless of their past, that Jesus loves them still. That if they will stay planted in this ministry, God will transform their lives. Many of them have had very distasteful experience or experiences worshiping in many places. We are not saying, no, this is the best church in the city. There are tons of churches in this city that are founded by Christ, led by godly people. I know some of them. I know some of them. So that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that get them. Even if it's just one soul, one soul, one soul, one soul that you then stay on and then begin to pray for. Father, what's your name? Oh, you say your name is Ron? Father, every morning when you are doing your own prayers for the next 90 days, you are praying for Ron. Till Ron begins to see you in his dream. I mean, till, till he begins to see you in his dreams. That's how well you pray. That's how well you pray. One of my sons in this church reached out to me on Saturday and said to me, Pastor, you know, um, called me in the morning. I said, oh, why are you calling me this morning? I've been trying to get a hold of you. He said, because I saw you in my dreams. Oh. I said, so what's happening when you saw me? He said, I saw you where you were asking me questions and you were wondering. You were asking me what's going on in my life. You know, you know the truth? Those actually were the questions in my spirit for him. This life, this life is spiritual. 
Sorry for taking your time. You hear me? You hear me? This life is very spiritual. This daughter of my at the back, Beulah, a few weeks ago, like some of you knew, had a minor surgery to be done. And then, as a shepherd, I felt it necessary to go, you know, visit her in person. She serves in this church. So I felt it necessary to go reach out to her. So she said she was in her sister, um, cousin's house. As I was driving there, the Lord said to me, that family where Beulah is, that you're going to, the wife is pregnant. And the Lord said, while I was very close to the place, the Lord said, the baby in our womb is a baby boy. I said, so when you get there, you pray for them. <clears throat> so I got there, saw Beulah, saw Wendell, then saw the gentleman, actually knew the guy. But I didn't know that he was the one. He was one of those in those days. My, 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 oh, shaka paton the Father, let your name alone be praised forever. If I lie, let the Lord punish me. Sister Ozezi, my break time in, in, in the office then, because my office is very close to downtown. Those cards, we've always had them. I'll go to downtown. Cornwall, begin to share to people. Not because I was a pastor of the church. Begin to invite people. Should I shock you? That Beulah's cousin that Beulah stayed with was one of those I had met since 2018 or 2019 that I shared about Jesus with that I'd invited to church who never came so the Lord said the wife is pregnant so I got that I said is your wife pregnant he said yes you know when we saw we exchanged pleasantries you know so I said ah yeah so when he said she said she attends lofty I, I told her that I know the church I know the pastor too I said is your wife pregnant she, he said yes I said, do you guys know the sex yet? He said, yeah. I said, the baby in our womb is a baby boy. And he looked at me again. He said, yeah. he said, yes. As a matter of fact, in a few days, she's going to deliver. I said, well, I came to pray for Beulah. But because she's my own daughter, the spirit of, upon me is upon her. The Lord has then led me here to also be able to share a word with the family. I said, can you get your wife so I can pray with the both of you? They said, she's sleeping. I said, go wake up. The Lord sent me, I didn't send myself. I said, go wake her. Go wake her, if she's willing, then let her come. Then they woke her up, and she came. I said, she should sit down, then I then laid her hands on. Then, as I was praying, the Lord then began to say to me, to tell me about the destiny of the baby in her womb. I think last week or so, thereabout. This was just about two weeks ago, or three weeks ago. Last week, Beulah saw me in church outside. said, Pastor, my cousin's wife has put to bed. Yesterday, I'll be a what day, a baby boy. I am sharing all of all these things. I say life is spiritual. Be, 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 be about this business. Be about. Look for someone who is sick. Exercise of faith and pray healing. Whether they are healed or not, it is not your business. You just exercise of faith. Because yours, you're not the one who will make them healed. Yours is to deliver the word. Hallelujah. Glory to Jesus. So this project, seek ye first, effective tomorrow. I started a day after three days of glory. Yes. Not to brag. Meaning that since last week, I've been waiting upon the Lord every day. And I've been fulfilling my part of this threefold. Huh? Evangelizing at least once a week, at least. If you do not have a job, it's even a plus for you. Why not let Jesus be your employer? And take it that you're on his payroll. In the morning or in the evening, carry the pack and just be going about. And as you're going, you're praying, Lord, as I'm, as I'm sharing about your kingdom to the people, please visit me. 
as I'm working for you, please give me this job. You see what it does in your life. The word of the Lord cannot lie. Don't you know that your heavenly father knows that you have need of these things? But when you begin to seek those things first, you become like the people of the world. And you begin to receive that kind of result. But when you do it the way God desires it to be done, he sets your eye upon the high horses and upon the mountains. Lift up your hands up unto heaven this morning. And receive grace. Pray, Lord, I receive grace to seek you first. I receive grace to seek you first. I receive grace, Jesus, to seek you first for the next 90 days. I receive this grace to wait upon you, to evangelize, to share with you about someone, to share about you with someone, to tell someone how much you love them. A lofty height, we don't like bringing ourselves to a close without giving someone an opportunity to have a relationship with the Lord. So you're under the sound of my voice this morning, you're not saved. Or you were once saved, you went back into the world. All eyes closed, all eyes bowed. Could you please lift up your hand above your head and let me share a word of prayer with you. Thank you for that hand up. God bless you. Without shame, God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for your sons and your daughters whose hands are lifted up. Those ones who desire to be saved, Lord, save them. Open their eyes. Thank you, Jesus, for your blood shed upon the cross of Calvary for us. From this moment, make them yours. Fill them with your spirit. Saturate their hearts with your love. Make them kingdom conscious and kingdom minded, beginning from this moment. And the things that the world runs after, let it begin to run after them. In the name of Jesus, we give you praise, our Father. In Jesus' mighty name we prayed. Amen. If you received that word this morning, would you celebrate Jesus? We trust God that this ministration blessed your life tremendously. Do share your testimony and experience with us by emailing us at hello at myloftyheightsglobal.org. For more life-transforming messages from our ministry, please visit and subscribe to our YouTube channel. You can also stay connected with us across our social media platforms at My Lofty Heights. To give to our ministry, please visit our website. We love you, we honor you, and we celebrate you.